Welcome to The Clear Skin Chronicles, the podcast that takes you on a journey to uncover the secrets of achieving glowing, acne-free skin. We believe that knowledge is power, and by understanding the root causes of your acne, we can create a solid foundation for long-lasting clear skin. I'm Katie Stewart, registered holistic nutritionist and founder of The Clear Skin Solution, where we help women just like you get to the root cause of their acne. And I'm Chris Brown, registered holistic nutritionist and program director in The Clear Skin Solution. Through functional testing, we pinpoint where the body system imbalances lie so we can dive deep into your acne clearing journey. We work virtually with clients to clear up their skin from the inside out and have helped thousands of women worldwide regain their confidence. When your body gets all that TLC it's been asking for, you know, the loves and the hugs and the cuddles, when we learn from our past experiences, when we apply our learnings and bring in intuitive practices, alter habits that are not serving us, all of these are contributors your body needs and This is when you're going to start to see that acne make the grand exit. So remember, acne is a symptom, which means that those symptoms are like the signs that your internal bits, they're not aligned. We cannot see your insides, so our body needs to bring it and that dysfunction out. Hello, acne. Let me tell you, what you are carrying on your face, there is some organ that looks similar on the inside. So if it's red, we could be holding heat. If it's purple, stagnant, things just can't move. If it's yellow, toxins, white, stagnant again. So there's a lot of those markers in your acne where annoying to you, but have so much information for us, right, Katie? Absolutely. So what I love, 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 love about acne. (laughs) We were like, what? What do we love about acne as a practitioner? As a practitioner, I love that... When it starts, we can almost guarantee forehead. Like sometimes in the intakes, I'm like, oh yeah, where it starts. And I'm already like wanting to type forehead. Mm -hmm. Mine started on the forehead. Many, many people's do because in, think about that small intestine. That's yeah, for sure. Of course, small intestines. But remember last week when we were talking about how the estrogen and how in the gut microbiome plus By about 12, 13, 14, 15, whatever, on average, we start to eat differently. We start to crave. We start to want sugars. Hormones can be shifting all in amongst there. So it makes sense when I start to see it there. I start to see, you know, as I get a little bit older, maybe some cheeks. Boom. Then comes the chin. Sometimes it's cystic. Most often it's not. Mm -hmm. So when we're looking at 12 plus, how many times do people say, oh, I grew out of my acne and then it came back at 30. Well, we'll often hear clients say, you want to know what? I dealt with acne since I was 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I was a teenager. And the adults in my life always told me that, oh, when you're an adult, your acne will clear up. And so it's like this magical number where all of a sudden, morning of your 18th birthday and your face is just fully clear. Like, (laughs) unfortunately, it doesn't happen that way. So for some, absolutely, there's going to be a pocket of people where their acne ends up clearing up when they get into their early 20s. But obviously, for the women that we work in the Clear Skin Solution, that was not the case. They kept their acne. They never grew out of it. Because how many clients, Chris, do we have in their intake form when we ask, how long have you been dealing with this issue for? You get 20 years, 25, 30 years. It is some mm-hmm. decades that women have been dealing with acne. It's like they don't remember ever not having acne. And then we have that other pocket of clients where they didn't have acne growing up. They actually grew into their acne where they had perfectly clear skin in their teens and even their 20s. And all of a sudden they're 35, 38, 40, and they're getting acne for the very first time. So this is why we really need to break that stereotype that acne is only a teenage problem because there is a continual increase in adult women dealing with acne. I believe the stat is it's 15% of the female population as an adult are dealing with acne. So you're not alone. Yeah, that's a lot. That is millions of people. The thing is, essentially, and we've chatted about this, and it's kind of like, I'm like, and we chatted, and we chatted, and we chatted. But I told you when I saw the kids at the ice cream store and I looked around and I paneled and I'm like, what is happening here? 
And like my wheat paintings look away, mama, now say nothing. They're like mortified you're with them in public because you're like scoping out the acne, but not in a judgmental way, in an, oh my gosh, this poor child. Absolutely. It's never about that judgment. When we're growing into it, body system dysfunction. When we have it, body system dysfunction. When we grow out of it, it does not mean we've realigned. And I hear this a lot with latex allergies mm. or just allergies. Oh, I used to be allergic to ragweed and stuff and I grew out of it. No, you didn't. Uh, no, it didn't happen. It didn't happen if you didn't make any changes. Absolutely. If you made those changes and you went in and you did all those wonderful things, yeah, I'm going to give you the accolades because it can. What happens is they get suppressed or repressed because something else takes priority and you have a new symptom or something bigger, or you've just learned to deal with it. There's foods that are going to trigger this. There's going to be obviously DNA codes, genetic codes, heredit, like all of this stuff is going to bring us back to say, oh, what do we need? I was going to interject. I know you're going to ask because I just got this in our DMs or on a post or something recently where again, this happens all the time. They say, there's nothing I can do about my acne because it's genetic. My mom had acne. My dad had acne. My siblings have acne. My kids now have acne. My acne is genetic. So there's nothing that can be done to fix it. And this like really irks me, to be honest. This is like deep breath through the nose. And I find with those comments, it's 50-50 because again, I'll say, hey, absolutely, there can be a genetic component that can predisposition this. However, that doesn't mean you're stuck with it forever. We've had lots of clients and you either get the people that are like, oh my God, thank you. I thought this could never clear. And there's others that are like, are you effing kidding me? Like, how dare you? I'm like, listen, (laughs) clearly there's some triggers going on here that needs to be addressed for you. But just know that. Do you make sounds? Do you make sounds when that comes? Like, instead of, you know, saying words, are you like, beach? <laughs> a, few sim- a, a few sounds, you know, I have a few clever little sounds I make, but I just bless and release instead. Because I really want to dig into this component, Chris, because I know you really love talking about this. It's just because yeah. your parents, your siblings, and your kid now has acne does not mean you are stuck with acne forever. Yeah, your future is not your parents' history. So absolutely not. Epigenetics, your environment, your thoughts, your toxins, absolutely all play a role. And you can come in with dirty genes. You can also, like your very own genes, throw them in the wash through the methods that are essentially taught in the clear skin solution as well. And we can revert that. If you have like a snip, so like a, it's like a... Uh, She's trying to figure out how to say, say this in layman's terms so we can... I know because my brain was going so fast. She went to go into practice. A snip. Explain the snip. (laughs) A snip is like what links these genes together. So if you're trying to zip up your coat and you're like, oh, dang, there goes one of the teeth and it doesn't connect. That's like a snip where it gets disconnected in that genetic code for lack of better expression for everybody that is qualified in this profession going, oh, Chris, you butchered that. Yeah, I kind of did. But that's that's my analogy. (laughs) So... Yeah. When we look at that, no, I don't believe it. I've seen it. I've seen it magnitudes of time, but sometimes I look at the parents and I quickly, I have clients in July, I had an influx of early twenties. So 20 to 18, I would say to 24 and their parents joined them on the call. And mom would be like, yeah. And you know what? I experienced that when I was a child and, oh, but mom, did you have acne? No. So where's the genetic makeup? Where's the genetic code? Where's the mineral imbalances, gut dysbiosis? All of that comes through that vaginal canal. Mm -hmm. We inherit a lot of that from the vaginal canal. Yeah. So inherit doesn't mean that is the narrative going forward. And I also want to point out that oftentimes it's those lifestyle factors. Like when we live in a family together, we can see similar issues arise based on what we eat what we're exposed to, the stressors at home, the relationships at home, we're all Mm -hmm. experiencing this together. So it makes sense that you can see, and again, this isn't going to be for every situation out there, but there are components where we need to be looking at the lifestyle factors of that individual family and how that's playing into their health. Yeah. What about the, and then the changes of how to do it. If we are using hereditary or genetics as our excuse, please expect nothing to change. You've gifted yourself more acne because 
you have 110% power over you, over your lifestyle, over what goes into your body. I understand that if you're living at home and your parents are purchasing things, you're going through school and you don't have a job because you're paying for school. Yeah, the budget's going to get tighter. Don't get me wrong. But that tighter budget still does not excuse what we tell ourselves so that we don't have to change and just keep things status quo. And that comes back to a limiting self-belief that we have about ourselves. So we almost want to dig deeper into that, right? Is it that you don't feel worthy? You don't feel loved? You don't feel intelligent enough? You don't feel like it's often a self-limiting belief and we're putting up this excuse of, oh, there's nothing I can do about my acne, so I'm not going to make any changes to myself. What is that deeper reason of why you don't want to make those changes? Something we'll often hear is, I want to clear up my acne, but I don't want to make any changes. I don't want to change the way I eat. I want to go to 7-Eleven and get my Slurpee and then have my Big Mac at McDonald's. I don't want to make any changes. Yeah, I don't want to make any changes to my social. It's a lot of it is the social component. Super Especially duper. in your early 20s. Like my friends go out and drink and party and go to fast food restaurants and I want to be able to do all those things. I want to be part of the community. I want to be part of the tribe because obviously when we look back historically, if you were ostracized from your society or from your tribe or community, that meant danger. Like being sent out of the community often meant death. So it wasn't safe in order to go against the status quo of what everybody else was doing. So there also is that kind of mindset that we've historically been in as well is I, I don't want to go against the status quo because it, it means I'm going to get kicked out. Okay. Let me take you back to your twenties. My twenties or just twenties in general. Yeah. Oh Lord, have mercy. Time warp. You, don't do that, Chris. You time warp. Okay. So you've told us through your story, partying and do they know that you're like a big cheerleader? So, you know, but what is that, that social to do dynamic? Because it does. In the cheerleading, there's a social command. When you're in a sport, say you're doing it for school, even as an example, football and sports, and there's a certain social stigma. Oh, there they go. You have a skill. People admire that skill. You're flipping and you're flopping. You're doing all these really cool things. Pretty, not pretty. doesn't matter. The fact is, is you have status. Because all the people around you gave you status. Is that fair? I don't know if I ever really looked at it like that. I just did it because... Well, because, we're, yeah, we're going to go... No, I'm not oh, saying you did, but this is what I'm saying. Yeah, no. It is the, really that, that need to feel liked, that need to feel loved and appreciated and all of those things is what it keeps us doing those things. Yeah. You liked doing it. You didn't go and say, hey, you know what? I want to be relevant. I want to be popular and I need to do this. But with that society, mm-hmm. right? And now think about your group and look at it. Was there a certain relevance to your group? It's hard for me to, like, now you're making me analyze these past situations. And uh-huh. like for me, when I did cheerleading and dance and all those things, what I truly looking back, what I valued the most out of that is community. I loved the community of having other girls and guys that share the same views, that we had spent time together, that we did things together, that we had inside jokes with. So I felt like I had my own little community. So boom. Okay. So I'm going to yeah. take that. This is Katie's, uh, Katie, I won't charge you for your therapy session. Perfect. So let's take that. You loved your community and engulfed it. Fast forward into your thirties, you have the clear skin solution. I got a new community. Boom. What happened? What happened to that client only Facebook group? What did you do? Created a community. Because it was so important to you. It really is at the core root of being human. Like we all need community. That's, that's part of being a human right. being. Exactly. And that's what I'm trying to just show people here a little bit is what you valued in your twenties didn't change in your thirties. You saw the importance And you capitalize on that importance and you implement that importance. Mm -hmm. Now let's go back to, again, a little bit of that relevance because I have teens, right? So this is... I still have little kids. Mine are are almost two and almost seven. So (laughs) honestly, just either get a lock on the basement from 13 to 16. I have boys. boys. I heard they're not as hard as teens. Pitch a tent. They'll be fine. They'll be fine in the backyard. Here's the thing, whether it's we're in our 20s or 30s or 40s or whatever, we are the people that create relevance for other people. Does that make sense? I'm going to like keep on this tangent. I'm curious to see where you're headed with it. 
Okay. So my daughter was out with her friends and she's like, oh my gosh, this girl came. And, you know, she's the girl of the stepbrother of the most relevant kid. And I didn't even know I was talking to the most relevant kid. When she says relevant, she means popular. I think that's a better term. Oh yeah. That's the new term. It's relevant. And I said, yeah. And, oh, well, he said, interject. You're not an 09, right? Because you don't look like an 09. She goes, no, I'm an 08. He goes, ah, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. He pegged her as 07. He wouldn't tell from my skin with my filter here, but we hold our I was like, for a long is time. Chris sharing the year of birth right now? There's no way she does. No. no, but I'm just saying I was really young looking up to my mom was. I You're was still young right looking though. Chris is like in real life, Chris is very young looking. You are. Gold star. Gold star for me today. Actually, I'm giving you two. two. I'm putting those two. in my fridge. Yeah. So going back to the relevance is I said, Okay, so he had this conversation. So it was normal. It was flow, yeah. And then when you learned he was relevant, what happened? I was like, oh. I said, so why did you doubt that conversation you had before? And why did you start analyzing the conversation you had and the questions he had? Because somebody told you there was something there. So let's bring it to acne. You walk around with acne until somebody says something. It's not ugly. Until somebody says something, it's not damaging. Until somebody brings your attention that has relevance from somebody else's perspective, that emotional, mental, that's what tolls on us. Is that like, we kind of went into mindset. A little bit. Because, well, we know that mindset is such a massive component to acne. And it, it really, to this day, honestly, it still fascinates me how complex the mindset portion of acne or really any healing journey. Like it really goes deep. And until you start actively say going to therapy, working on your mindset, doing different, uh, different modalities, it's such a powerful and complex thing. And that's the thing. It's how we deal with the acne. And I like to use other just lifestyle things like my daughter talking to this person, yada, yada. And I said, okay, if you knew he was relevant ahead of time before talking to him, what cost of that conversation? Would you have analyzed it? Would you have stuttered? Would you have acted weird? That's a cost. Let's go to acne. If we don't change it or we don't apply things, what does it cost you in your yeah, life? What is acne costing you? Of course, there is a financial cost because you're buying makeup to cover up your breakouts. And for me, I was caking on makeup. It was sickening how much I spent on makeup. Then you're buying skincare products all of the time. Like your product after product every month, you get on that, what I call that acne hamster wheel where you see a new product. You're like, oh my God, this is the it one thing. This is going to clear up my issues. You use it religiously for three weeks. It does nothing. Then you put the bottle back on the shelf, repeat cycle and buy a new product. That is that Mm -hmm. financial. Maybe you're going for treatments. Like dealing with acne isn't cheap. Like if you're going to get different services, depending on the city that you live in, if you're living in a big city, you're going to be going in and getting like microneedling, PRP and chemical peels and lasers and all of this, this can add up to thousands of dollars spent only as a temporary relief to your symptoms. So outside of the obvious financial component, what is acne costing you emotionally? What is it costing you mentally? And maybe what's it costing you socially? Mm -hmm. Like those are all things. Align those values too, right? When Peyton was talking to this person, didn't understand, it was a casual conversation. So when you're going in and you have all these acne, what's a casual conversation you can have with yourself to find the true cost of what's happening? So I often get, Chris, I really wish I had found Katie's program 10 years ago. To me as a coach, that's a cost. That's a cost. They're telling me I lost 10 years of my life because I knew something was wrong. I wasn't listened to. Nobody could explain it. All I got offered was birth control, Accutane, Spernalactone. And here I am today, still suffering, dropped all that financial impact. And the emotional, mental, and social. Because Chris, like, it's heartbreaking when we have clients say, I don't leave my house anymore because my skin is holding me back. I don't want to start dating again because I'm so self-conscious about my skin. I don't want to have sex with my spouse anymore because I'm so embarrassed and I don't feel sexy at all. 
I don't want to be the maid of honor in my sister's wedding because of the shape of the dress. And I'm so embarrassed about the breakouts on my back. I don't want to take my kids to the beach because I know my makeup will melt off. I don't want to take my kids to the park because I have to spend so much time putting on makeup. These are all social, mental, and emotional costs because it's also the toll of dealing with that is I'm self-conscious, I'm embarrassed, I feel ugly, I don't feel worthy, I don't feel pretty, I feel like this, I'm stressed, I'm defeated, I'm anxious, I'm hopeless, I'm full of anxiety, I'm depressed. That is the cost of dealing with acne. I think unless you've dealt with acne yourself, it's really hard for the average person to grasp how big of an impact it really does have on an individual. We've had clients that have had really amazing support systems, like in husbands. And I remember this one client and her face just, it really did. It imploded. Like there's an uncovering, again, uncovered a bunch of different things. And I would say, hey, just doing a check-in. How are you doing? And she would say, my husband does not go a day without telling me how beautiful I am inside and out, that my acne doesn't define me, that he will support me for whatever. She goes, and he leaves and I cry and I say, but I could be prettier for you. Oh my God, that breaks my heart. So do you see when you have that support, Mm -hmm. but you have this precondition for whatever it is that you bring that forward. Mm -hmm. So that emotional and mental and all of that, it's the I wish, I wish, I wish. What if your wish could come true? Hint it can. That's right. Hint it can. (laughs) Wait, I know the answer. I'm going going for a third gold star. Third gold star today. (laughs) Right? But that's the thing. Mm -hmm. I just truly want people to understand that community that you talked about with the fact of that whole relevance conversation that we had is... We are the people that make other people's comments relevant. We are the people that continue the perpetuating acne insults. To ourselves. We are the people that absolutely have it in our power to take action. So then when I say is, why aren't we? Because it's scary. Even though we are dealing with a discomfort of acne, it's a known discomfort. And we find comfort in the known discomfort because it's really that, it's the two big ones, fear of the unknown and fear of failure. And you want to have fear of success. I would say those are three really big reasons why people don't take action is the fear of failure of what if I do this and it doesn't work? Then there's the fear of success. What if I do this and it works? What does that mean for how I have to change my life? And then the fear of the unknown is, Well, what's it going to take for me to get there? And because those fears hold so strong in our brain and in our hearts and in our bodies, we put up blocks and we put up excuses and we put up obstacles in order of why we can't do something. I can't clear up my acne right now and make myself a priority because life's too busy. I can't clear up my acne right now because I have a vacation coming up. So it's just not the right time. I don't want to make changes. I like how I eat. Uh, you know, I have a busy job. Like we can, of course, find a thousand and one excuses as to why we, we can't do something. But guess what? Those excuses are now running your life and costing you all of the things we just talked about with acne. Those excuses and those fears and those beliefs are costing you truly your happiness at the end of the day. And when people come into me and they ask me questions and they'll say, oh, well, you know, like, uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. What are we waiting for? Did you get a brain thought? Because I had a client this week that said, Chris, I listened to the podcast and I'm letting you know that I have a wedding and it's not an excuse, Chris, because I understand that control. And I was like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, you know, like. That's what she had said. She goes, I have a wedding. And I walked her through how the protocol comes out, the timelines. And she's like, oh, that's great. She goes, I just didn't want you to think it was an excuse because I understand I've pushed this way too far in my life and I'm here now. And I said, let's step back for a second. I said, it's not about an excuse. This is what you have going on in your life and we're going to work around it. You invested in yourself, in your skin journey, and you're here. So 
tell me again where the excuse is. And she's like, oh, Mm -hmm. I didn't make that connection, right? She said, the different, the why I considered it excuses because I've been telling myself those things that you and Katie talked about over and over and over. And if I didn't do it today, she goes, I know tomorrow would come. There'd be a new excuse. And it'd be like grocery shopping. It would be a new excuse. Yeah. I could just put it off in a new excuse and this and that. That was my OO moment. I can't even remember what the heck I was going to say outside of that, but that she was, was exciting. exciting. Did you notice how like her octaves <laughs> went up a little bit? I'm pretty sure our podcast producer is going to have to go and bring those audio levels down because you were like, no, you leave those where they are. She was at her top of her <laughs> next time. I'll her sing. top of her decibel range right there. So we know that acne is having a financial, emotional, social, all of the things cost. Now I want to go into the difference of having acne in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s, because we see clients in that range. We see 20 plus. All of the decades have issues with acne. So really let's talk through the main differences between the age groups and how they almost have a compounding effect on each other. So I'm going to start with 20s because this is where I had my acne. So I, again, was on the pill, had clear skin, came off, switched around my birth control pill early 20s. So guess what I was doing in my early 20s, Chris? I was so partying up a storm, drinking on the weekend, partying like an extreme rock star, going to three-day raves, staying out, out until 6 a.m., drinking a whole lot. I was not sleeping, clearly, because I'd get home from the club at 6 a.m. and then get up to go to work at like 10 a.m. So I was like, yeah, I only need three and a half hours of sleep. That's totally fine. I'm just going to party, party, party. I'll sleep later. What is it like? I'll sleep when I'm dead. Like, I don't need that. Or there's the lifestyle factors. So I was eating tons of fast food. I remember like after we would go to the bar, we would go somewhere that's open 24 hours. And I remember one time my girlfriend and I, who's like uh, Angelica, she's like five foot nothing. Both her and I got like a triple Whopper, like extra sized fries. And like this burger was like bigger than our heads, Chris. And that's what I ate coming home from the bar. You'd get street meat, you'd get that. Or you'd be um, tons of stress. So if you're writing exams, maybe you have like boy drama going on. God forbid there's some boy drama. I've had my fair share of that. And that's impacting your cortisol and your stressors. So really in your early 20s, it's very lifestyle-based, very dietary-based. And of course, you're going to be bringing in that post-pill impact. But really the post-pill we see happens, I would say, late 20s and the 30s is when we really see the the post-pill. And I'm going to throw medication in there, medication, antibiotics in the 20s, because you're getting it, either you don't like it, or again, in society, it's becoming more prevalent, so maybe we're not going to notice it as much, or adversely, mom and dad don't like it. Mm -hmm. So we're shifting back and forth, plus a host of other symptoms that can kind of bring you in there. So yeah, absolutely. Lifestyle, medications. Uh, Yes, medications. I I actually can't even count how many times I've taken antibiotics, Chris. Like- I think well over 50 and I'm pretty sure it was a thing to do. And like when I was in university, if you have a sniffle, you go to the health center and they just give you some free antibiotics to take. And you're like, okay, see you later. And I ended up with swine flu and they gave me antibiotics. I did. I got swine flu when I was in my third year. Of course you did. I got swine flu and I gave it to my boyfriend at the time and my entire house I was living with. We all had swine flu. Thank you, Katie. And the doctors gave me antibiotics at first to treat it. And I, my, I remember my boyfriend's mom being so irate that they gave us antibiotics. She's like, we're going back and we're getting the tam- Tammy flu and da-da-da-da-da. But the antibiotics were killer for me. And you take an antibiotic, you take another antibiotic, and you take another antibiotic. They love it. The opportunist effect, they love it. Yeah, you wipe out some of their friends, but really you wipe out their opponents, the beneficial bacteria, even mm-hmm. more. So they just have this beautiful breeding ground to say, yeah, bring it. Oh, so as Katie's parting her heart out, so were they. They loved you. They loved you. They did love me. It was quite fun back then. I'm a mom now, so things are different. But So it went from carbo Kate to fun Kate to like mom Kate? Yeah, pretty much. And like sometimes like when I hear some old school jams, like the fun Katie, I can feel is like itching to like break out of her rib cage. She's like, let me out of here. Let me out. (laughs) I bust out into the song and my kids are like, what? Or how do you know our music, mom? How do you know well, our music? Well, because they sampled the songs is why. And now you're having the same songs we were listening to. I just said, well, for the same person that's alive driving you to dance. Like, I'm not dead. 
they forget. Like oh. I was driving, I was driving yeah. in my car the other day, and like I am a big Avicii fan, like love Avicii, R.I.P. And if Levels comes on or Seek Romance, like my car is basically going to pick up and fly and spread its wings and soar because that is one of my jams. Like that's where Inner Katie is like, let me out. <laughs> But I wanted to bring in, before we moved on to their 30s, is the social-emotional impact that acne has in your 20s. So for me, dealing in my 20s, it was all about the social component of how I appeared to others. So I don't want to be judged by my people, because I worked at Hockey Night in Canada at the time. I don't want to be judged and not taken seriously because I have acne in my early 20s. I don't want to go out. Even I was dating Frank at the time and bless him. He's the sweetest man ever. He would never say anything terrible about me ever. You keep saying he how is, sweet and he I hope is. He, I hope he doesn't listen to those episodes because I don't. he doesn't need the ego boost over there. <laughs> he cannot chop his like inner beast. I, I know. I, could, I guess I could, but he... I'm going to have to tell I, Well, you're not getting his phone number is what's happening because you won't give me your husband's phone number so we can conspire against you. Okay, just FYI for everybody to know, my husband texted me and asked me, can I have Katie's number? And I was like, that's a hard no. And then he, like an hour later, he writes, please. And my response was no, not a nilch. And I think I went into six different languages of my nose. And then I said, Katie is now shy. I said, like, kind of what's going on? What if he wants to and take you like, on oh. vacation and needs to book time off, Chris? And my response was? Not going to happen. Yeah. Like, have you met Katie? I'm, <laughs> we like we just learned, I'm what quite fun, Chris. I'm fun. I'm quite fun. Yeah. So I didn't entertain it. I didn't ask him why or nothing. I'm like, you're up to no good. And I'm not pairing you with somebody else that's up to no good. Yep. It's not, not happening. happening. So that's just a little sidebar. So just, Steve, if you're listening, hard no, honey, hard no. <laughs> and Katie, don't even get your creative uh, juices don't worry, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll figure it out. But out. outside of that wanting to be liked and feel, especially in the early 20s, because you're probably still dating then, you know, you're going to clubs, you're meeting people these days on Tinder. And it's like you are worried that people aren't going to find you attractive and you won't find a partner or, or a mate or whatever if you have acne. So this is where that big societal component comes in. And then when we get into our 30s, Chris, this is where we start to see compounding effects of a lot of hormonal shifts that are now compacting on a lot of the gut issues. So obviously growing up, if you were eating that standard North American diet, if you were taking antibiotics, if you took the birth control pill, you've done a number on your gut. Your liver is also not feeling too hot. And now we're compounding that with hormonal shifts of pregnancy. Maybe you've come off the birth control pill. Maybe you've had a kid. You've had several kids. Maybe you've had pregnancy losses as well, or, you know, other things that impact our hormones are going to be stressors. Stressors are going to massively impact our hormone. These can be life stresses, whether that's relationship, whether that's your kids, whether that's your job, whether that's your health issues, all of these stressors are going to cause those hormonal issues. And as we get into our thirties, this is where we're, we tend to be in our career and we're up-leveling. At 30, it's still like a spring chicken, right? You're still up-leveling that career. So with that, it's sometimes we feel a little bit of that shift of, ooh, how do I balance my work and my mm. life? How do we get that all together? How am I going to exercise when I have to be at the office for 12 hours? Well, do you? I always tell people, the more money you make, the more demand you have in life. So I know money's great, obviously buys me all my supplement junkie stuff, but at the same time, and Bruno, his raw food diet, but at the same time, we have to look at that compound, right? So take your twenties, compound it into your thirties, add all of those things Katie said, boom, put your career there as well. Because in today's society, I'm sorry, it takes that career to do anything. It's not like we could just say, oh, you know, I'll work part-time and, you know, no, not unless you're both, you're super financially stable. At what point? So it, even those finances. We have lots of stressors and then, in 30s. Again, that, yeah. And that emotional compound, what does that do? Everything. All those beliefs are carrying with you. Plus, have you made new ones? Oh, for sure you have. Yeah. Because pregnancy loss, I've had one. You've had one. Well, we can't even hold a baby. Like, like, yeah, that's oh, a like, these big are hit to your, tell ourselves. It's a big hit to yourself. Yeah. It's like, I always thought when people had lost babies and stuff until one of the twins, I was like, okay, what's the big deal? Okay. No, no. Don't understand it, what it messes to you. with yeah. you. It messes with you because you tell yourself it messes yeah, with it was you. Your fault. And I've learned mm-hmm. that. 
Yeah, it's like it's your fault. You're not good enough. Why couldn't or the you same do it, with right? blah, infertility blah, blah. going through IVF? Like yeah. those, the, oh. like your 30s are some major stressors. Like now that I'm thinking about it, like there's a lot of stuff that comes along because I feel like when you hit your 30s, like you're truly in adulthood. Your 20s, your fun days, like your funner days, I should say, the carefree, no, I'll say carefree days are behind you because now yeah. in your 30s, yeah. you have a career. Maybe you have a family. You have like financial responsibilities. Maybe you're a care provider for a parent or a friend or whatever may be going on. Like there's a lot of stressors and hormonal shifts that go on on your 30s. And when it comes to the societal or emotional and mental impacts, something I hear a lot, especially from moms, is the comments that their little ones make, right? Because we know the little humans mm-hmm. don't have filters. Mm-hmm. Can I, I'm going to, I need to sidebar here and tell you a quick little story that my six-year-old said to me recently. This was back in June and we were going to, to his brother's Montessori end of the year thing. And, you know, I feel a little more bloated that day, shall we say. And I had put on some like shapewear, like a lighter shapewear underneath my dress. Cause I had this really cute form fitted dress and I was blow drying my son's hair and he was facing me and I see him staring at me and he goes, mommy, is that your tummy? And I said, yeah, it is. Thinking like, where this get going with this? And a minute goes by and he goes, is there a baby in there? And I said, no, there's not a baby in there. Why, Jackson? <laughs> he says, oh, it just looks like it is. Oh, mommy just looks like she's pregnant. Guess I'm going to go and put the tighter shape wear on. You just destroyed my confidence <laughs> in a three-second period. But it's they don't have that filter, right? They say what's on their mind. And I so often, it breaks my heart when we have mom clients and they're like, my kids constantly ask, mommy, what are those spots on your face? Or my niece asks, mommy, what are those spots on my face? My godchild. Any child under the age of seven in your life is going to ask. Teachers, I teach kindergarten and my students are always saying, what's on your face? Why do you have those red marks? And of course, that's massively going to impact your confidence and your self-worth. And I remember we had one client that said that their kid drew a family photo of them and on the mom had put red dots for spots on the face because that's how the six-year-old is seeing their parent. And it's just so heartbreaking because I find like that's a really big emotional cost when you're dealing with acne in your 30s. Or I don't want to take my kids to the park because I have to wear so much makeup. I don't want to take, oh, we had another client on one of our group calls recently. She's like, I don't have any photos of myself with my daughter from the age of like her being one to eight because I never wanted Mm -hmm. to be in photos. Like it's costing her her memories with her child. So I find that's a really big cost. That's And there's that cost again, right? Mm-hmm. And the dating as well for people that don't have families is I want to go back on Tinder. I want to go on dates, but I'm not confident enough. Yeah, we get that too. And if we fast forward into the 40s, this is my way. I was like, Chris, I can't do. Well, I'm, I'm maxed out at 30, almost 34 here. So <sighs> vomit, whatever. Chris, you're been there, done You're that, in your early saying. 40s and you're a young early 40. No, I'm not. She's holding on to 39. No, I'm not. I'm not early Chris, 40s. I was trying to be nice today. But listen, I'm just not. See, just, we're narrowing it down, you guys. I was taking the shower today and I was just like, oh my gosh, my birthday. What year am I? And I had to calculate it. And I'm like, sweet mother of God, when did that I happen? Know. It's crazy. So here's a comment in your 40s is when your 11-year-old, not your 7-year-old, your 11-year-old sees a 30-year-old skin, 34-year-old skin. <laughs> Wait a minute. Maybe her name's Katie. Wait a minute. Maybe her name's Katie. And says, comes home and we have company over and says, oh my gosh. So I met Katie, you know, the girl that mom works with. Yeah. She's in her 20s. I said, no, she's not. I said, she's 34. Oh, well, mom, whatever she's doing with her skincare routine, tell her to keep it up. (laughs) And that's why she's my favorite of your children. And I said, Tinks, what about mama? And she goes, well, you can get Katie's skincare routine too. That's it. You're walking home. I said, I just have, you know, that when I was that age, I just, and I took her to a wedding picture. (laughs) Somebody got triggered. She got married at 30. (laughs) And I'm like, do you see this? And I had a picture of her when she's a baby. Do you see mama? Do you see me right there? And she goes, oh, well, what happened? And I said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to Mexico. I'm leaving you guys behind. (laughs) I'm going to go find another puppy. But that's what Mm -hmm. it is. When it comes to the skin, my middle child, Kylie, she has freckles. When she was younger, we used to call her freckles. Kylie freckles Craig. 
And we used to say, come here, freckles and stuff, because kids are cruel. We know that. I already know acne. I already know skin. I've lived it. I know what it's like to not say being the relevant and then be relevant in all those different circumstances because other people either made it or I I didn't want mm-hmm. it because that's essentially what it comes down to. So when people commented on her freckles, she goes, I know. That's the difference in the mindset. Mm-hmm. It's shifting that mindset. In those 40s, now we're compounding the 20s and the 30s plus, we could be pushing now pre-menopause. Mm-hmm. Those perimenopausal years. All right. That's the roller coaster ride. Now we're exhausted. Now we have teens. <laughs> Maybe that's personal. <laughs> personal attack on my life. Or we don't. Or we could be high power, you know, people. Big or, bigger careers than in is. our 30s. Bigger or careers. Maybe Absolutely. we have like a parent that's died. So maybe there's been deaths that you've, because as you get into your 40s, 50s, and 60s, more of your loved ones start to pass. And those can be really big emotional burdens. Or going back into the workforce after being an mm-hmm. at-home mom. Yes. Bam. So do you see, we want to show you all of these triggers. And then the 50s plus, yeah, there's somebody 64 right now that we were talking about earlier this week and cystic acne. And we're like, what the heck? And that's the thing. It doesn't matter in the age. The fact is, is it's like I said right at the beginning, your body's acne will go away when your body is in homeostasis, when it has balance. So take that message, run with it, get somebody, help somebody. If you're now 20, 30, I would say mid thirties, work with somebody because chances are it's not going to go away. You've been dealing with it probably as a teen all the way to the compound fair. That's a fair statement, right? I can't even count how many clients and even just women in our community have said, I just kept waiting for it to go away. And I was 35. I'm like, oh, you know, I'll wait another year. And 36, 37, 38, 39. And now they're 40. And they just kept waiting for it to go away. But guess what? It oftentimes doesn't go away. And it actually starts compounding with all of these new things going on. So if you're dealing with it, you want to nip it in the bud so it doesn't continue to get worse because it's most likely not going to get better on its own, especially living in the society that we do today. So when we're looking at getting your body back into a state of homeostasis, because we we don't want to just leave you with that. I want to leave you with some tangible, actionable things to focus on. So this is no matter what age you're in, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, even teenagers, Again, we're going to sound like a broken record time and time again. Focus on the anti-inflammatory diet. Go to my blog. We want the best diet for acne. This will break down the anti-inflammatory diet. We want to be not skipping meals. We want to be focusing on our blood sugar. I'll also link the blood sugar blog so you can be learning about how to do that. We want to be having those consistent meals. We want to be eating enough food. Don't restrict your calories. We need to actually be eating food in the day and drinking water. And these are things that you know. I'm sitting here telling you things. You're like, I know, Katie, I know. But we actually have to do them in order for them to help. Then we want to be reducing our stress and we want to be getting sleep management in place. So just that alone can help you no matter where you're at. In some cases, or in many cases, it won't be the magic bullet. Like that's kind of the foundation that we need to work from. And that's a big foundation. You got to get that poured and you got to let that set. Because then once we have that in place, that's when you can do the deeper gut rebalancing that most likely needs to happen. That's when we can start looking at your heavy metals and your mineral ratios and functioning of, of your liver detox pathways. And then we can get into your hormones and supporting you through that as well. Exactly. Okay. Sidebar. Here we go. What's your sidebar? Well, we did it. We got the 20s. We got the 30s. We got the 40s. This is what it is. Balance your stuff. I got a rapid fire Oh, Lord. What are we doing? Okay. Only, wait, only if I get to rapid fire back. Oh, I almost Almost. got in there. I have a rapid fire for you. You can rapid fire me, and then I have a rapid one question for... Oh, okay. This is a fun game today. Hmm. I feel like I'm on a game show. (laughs) Did you hear the tone? I'm not sure I'm in for this, Well, wait a minute. I said under (laughs) my breath. Okay, ready? In your 20s, how much would you have said you spent on your skincare? Oh, oh, that's a, is Frank listening right now? (laughs) Frank and I started dating when I was 20, so hopefully he skips this one. When I was dealing with, so pre-Frank 20s. No, no, I I, I actually started getting acne when, in the first year I was dating Frank. Hello, we found Katie's trigger. My trigger, it's my lovely husband over here. (laughs) So for me, when I dealt with my acne over a five-year period, in my early 20s, I spent $10,000 on my face. $10,000. And if you're like, oh my God, that's so much. I want you to break that down a little bit. That's spending $2,000 a year 
or what's that roughly like $170 a month? Do you know how easy it is for an acne sufferer to spend $170 a month on their skin? That's one chemical peel. That's one new full like skincare regime. That's one serum. That's just new makeup. So for me, like I got the VIB Rouge status card at Sephora by April. It was like end of March, early April. And I remember, <laughs> and I remember opening it. You did. I remember opening the, and getting the VIB Rouge because we got it mailed as a card. It wasn't digital then. And my husband's like, oh, how did you get that card from Sephora? And I was like, oh no, they just, they give it to you for free when you just like have a certain amount of points. Meanwhile, does he need to know that you get it if you spend, I think like $1,500 in a calendar year, you get upgraded to their like top end point record. And look at you at 30 days. I was three they, months they in. Right I was three th- months in and I'd already spent $1,500 at Sephora on makeup and skincare. So that's how much I spent on my face on all a bunch of, but Chris and I should again, asterisk this. And nothing, none of it worked because it wasn't getting after the root cause. I just want the sound. I just really want the sound. That's how I think asterisks would sound. Okay. Ready? Mm. What was the worst comment ever made to you about your skin? It's a shame you have so much acne because you're really pretty. I was like, oh, that's not just going to dive bomb my self-esteem. That's okay. Tegan built it up. Tegan built it up. She destroyed mine, but she built yours. It's okay. She took down one just to build up another. And that's one I can remember because this was again like 10 years ago. But still. That was the most one that stuck out. with you 10 years years later. later. Yeah, it's a shame you have so much acne because you're really pretty. Oh, great. Okay, ready? Fun. I'm going to do a fun Mm -hmm. one. If I were to give you $1,000 right now for any store, where would you use it? Like just a thousand bucks has to be spent at a store for no matter what. Yeah, one store. You're just going to go drop a grand. Here you oh, go. Oh, Skims for sure. I love Skims. <sighs> it's like... Because of your love for Skims, I don't even want to search that on the internet. It's Kim Kardashian's... It was originally Shaper line. Now she's expanded in clothing. And at first I was like, I don't know if I want to... It can't be that good. It's probably just like an influencer. I'm like, oh, hot damn. I'm obsessed. So if you ever were wondering where <laughs> is your bodysuit from, 99.9% sure it is from Skims. I love the material. I love the fit. It makes me feel good and confident. So yeah, 100% stands down, hands down. Okay. Well, as I start sweating profusely. I'm going to send you a bodysuit, Chris. I'm going to you. send you a bodysuit. No, I don't want a, a bodysuit. You got to take... Okay, here's the difference between 30s and 40s. 30s, woo, bodysuit, I'm looking good. 40s, okay, what if I have urgency pee? I have... Okay, that's a difference. I got urgency pee now. Right there. You just pull it to the side, Chris. Or there's snaps. There's some with snaps. Yeah. And what happens if that snap hits something else? Snap. No, thanks. Okay. Hard no to the bodysuit. So I'm going to ask you three rapid fire. I'm going to do two regular ones and a fun one. So what would you say is one of the biggest limiting self-beliefs you hear clients say most? Oh, they are not worthy Mm. or they are not enough. Yes. Hands down. They are not. I am not enough. Right. And For everything we've talked about, I always say at one point we gave power to somebody else to dictate how we get to feel. Mm. That's a no thank you, Archie, Archie, exclamation mark. Next up. I don't even know if I want to ask you this question because I know it's going to set off a whole slew of angry thoughts in your head, but ready? Can you clear your hormones without going into your gut, liver, and mindset? In a nice, simple way absolutely not. No, thank you, Archie. I would almost want to take back those gold stars for even asking that. So we're not going to dig into that any further because we got our answer, long story short. And if you're like, Katie, I need more, go listen to our gut liver hormones podcast. She's all there. Or else this podcast episode will be another three hours because Chris will go on a rampage. So it might happen. Do you want a fun question? I actually Googled them. Like I wanted really like different fun questions. So what outfit did you wear growing up that you would be so mortified to be seen in today? It was, think Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Loved. I had a button up, which would kind of be called like a blouse. Sure. For like, what do they call it? It's like that with a collar. Mm-hmm. Half was one color. Half was like floral and stuff like that. I think the other half was stripes. I remember you would tuck it in with a belt with like big wide pants. And I wore my hair so tight in a ponytail. Mm. <laughs> I'm horrified even sharing that. But why do I remember mm. that specific outfit? Right now, I feel a little bit of a clump. 
in my yeah, that was clearly it, it was a clearly had an impact on you at some point in time. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna go in and ask our clients a tough Ooh, question. Let's end on a tough question, okay? And it's something that they want to think of because as we're going through this, well, you provoked it actually. You provoked it with that. <laughs> I provoked Chris. <laughs> you you poked the bear. The bear's up. So for the people that are listening to us, for the people that follow Katie, for the people that have acne and they're going through their journey that are listening and have tried the things and understand what we're saying because they resonate with all of those. If you are still sitting there, what is that roadblock where you haven't triggered the action? Whether it is to join us in the Clear Skin Solution or another practitioner or something where you can start taking tangible actions so you don't have to live like this because none of this is warm and fuzzy. Mm -mm. So that's what I'd like to ask everybody is because when's the last time somebody asked you that? We don't ask the hard questions. That's too hard of a question for a lot of people. Well, because we judge. We bully ourselves and we judge ourselves. Mm -hmm. So without the judgment. Remove the judgment. What are those actual factors? Is it financial? Is it you don't have the support? Is it you don't know? Is it you don't want to change your diet? Like these are all things. So list them out so that you can see them and then go back to them the next day and go, which ones do I keep telling myself that really aren't true? So start breaking down that wall because at the very least, you don't have to go into an acne journey. At the very least, you now start to understand your emotional and mental connections as to why it's happening. So that's a bit of a hearty, but leaving on a hard note today. And well, I provoked the bear. All right. So next week is an episode I'm really excited about because it's probably one of the most prevalent issues we see for our clients in the clear skin solution that is directly causing their acne and or making it much, 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 much worse. And that would be Chris acne. Don't say no, it. No, I'm not going to say it. Don't don't say it. No, cliffhanger. Oh, I'm going to get some hate mail after this one. Hate mail on my DMs. What is it, Katie? What is it? No, it'll come to me because I made that decision. Don't do it. I love it. I love the preload. It's sexy. All right, you guys. Get ready for it. We'll see you next Wednesday. Thanks for hanging out with us this week on the Clear Skin Chronicles. We'll see you next Wednesday with a brand new episode. Remember to subscribe to the show and drop us a review. Sending glowing vibes your way, Katie and Chris.